Hello and welcome to the China Business Brief, a podcast by the China Britain Business Council, where we explain the latest news relevant to anyone working in or with the world's second largest economy. I'm Joe Cash, and in this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Sam Romani, Tutor of Politics and International Relations at the University of Oxford, to discuss the events unfolding in Kabul and how it might influence geopolitics in Central Asia, a region that is increasingly becoming important to UK companies trading in China and participating in the Belt and Road Initiative. To frame today's conversation, last month, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi welcomed senior Taliban leaders to Tianjin, posing for photos that have featured prominently in Chinese commentary on Afghanistan's future. China is carefully watching events unfolding in Afghanistan, and while it hasn't yet recognized the Taliban government, it has indicated that it would be willing to work with one. But can Beijing succeed in the infamous graveyard of empires? Sam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Joe. It's great to be here. So let's break that question into something smaller. There's too much to unpack there. To start with, perhaps you could give our listeners your view on how China is looking at the scenes unfolding in Kabul. So China is not taking a firm normative stance against the Taliban takeover like the Western countries are, like the United States and Europe. Instead, it's taking an approach that's a lot more pragmatic, it's a lot more flexible, has a lot more of a wait-and-see approach based on events that are developing on the ground. So far, the Chinese are relatively optimistic that the Taliban takeover will not disrupt their core interest or their national security. They feel that through their regular engagement with Taliban officials, which was not just a meeting in Tianjin, but something that's been going on for the past three or four years, that the Taliban will probably not start arming militants in Xinjiang or arming the East Turkestan Islamic group or creating uh, terrorism and instability because they want Chinese investment and they want Chinese uh, capital to enter their country. And they don't really have many other sources of, of cash and capital at the moment. So I think that that transaction of providing business incentives for security appears to be holding. And that is also probably why the Chinese are trusting the Taliban to provide security in Kabul and not attack their embassy. And they're not evacuating much like the way the Western countries in India have in the initial stages. The Chinese are reacting to this perceived failure of American leadership from the withdrawal from Afghanistan and also are comparing that to the withdrawal in Iraq and are trying to basically show that this is the movement towards a multipolar world order has been brought forward by a few years. It seems to be that China's concern with the Taliban is, is far less about um, Afghanistan itself. After all, China's border with Afghanistan is only 57 miles long. It's an impregnable mountain range. So would it be fair to say that China is less concerned with its own border, more concerned with Afghanistan's borders with Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, and perhaps most crucially, Pakistan, countries that all play a role in the Belt and Road Initiative? Well, China is definitely worried about the environment within the regional neighborhood. And it's important to keep in mind that the Taliban poses a discrete and different threat to Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, and Pakistan. To Tajikistan, the main threat is really along the border, which has been long a black hole for arms smuggling, as well as uh, drug trafficking. But that tragic Afghan border threat is really, first and foremost, a threat towards Russia, because Russia's got military installations there, and that's been a traditional uh, starting point for insurgencies and terrorism entering the North Caucasus, and is a second order threat for China. Though in 2019, the Chinese did hold drills on the Tajik-Afghan border, which uh, rankled the Russians a bit because they were kind of stepping on their toes. So I would say Tajikistan's a second order threat from a Chinese perspective. Turkmenistan is more of a pressing threat to some degree because Turkmenistan is not part of the Russian-led security architecture. It is the a neutral country in Central Asia, and uh, it obviously is a vital supplier of gas towards China. So they'll be looking at moves like Turkmenistan's uh, invitation of a Taliban delegation, including Mullah Baradar, on the 6th of February. Turkmenistan's deployment of heavy weaponry on their border 
as signs that Turkmenistan is using diplomacy and deterrence in just the right way to contain the threat. But if things change, they'll be a bit concerned because of the energy interests. And with respect to Pakistan, obviously they're worried about a spillover of terrorism and they're worried about an attack on CPAC infrastructure, but they're perhaps a more immediate concern of the protests that are erupting locally in and around Gwadar. And then maybe more in the long term, they'll be looking at the Taliban threat. But am I right in thinking that China has cut a slightly indecisive um, image with regards to its confidence in the Taliban? Because on the one hand, it has said that the Taliban is protecting its embassy, it has not sought to evacuate its citizens, but also it's been working with Tajik forces uh, on military exercises along the Afghan border. China is going to have to take a far more active role in ensuring stability in the region, particularly now that the US has withdrawn troops and funding from Afghanistan. How do you envision that playing out? So I think that China is really doing a lot what, like what Russia is doing. I mean, Russia is also uh, basically having a trust but verify approach towards engaging with the Taliban as well. They're pretending that their diplomats are safe and that the Taliban has brought more security to Kabul than the previous Afghan government, but they're also doing drills with Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. So what China is doing is not really an exceptional show of weakness or vulnerability or waffling. It's really doing what Russia is doing, what Iran's doing, what other regional powers are doing in the region. So I don't think there's anything that exceptional about the Chinese perspective of pretending to trust the Taliban, but also uh, guarding in terms of extra security interests. I think that China will inevitably have to contribute more to Central Asian security, and it is doing so via the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. So there'll be the SCO exercises against ISIS that have been going on for several years. They've even included Iran, which is an observer state in those drills. Uh, those will be continuing. There'll be more discussions about uh, managing the Afghan situation and protecting state sovereignty. China might now green light Iran's accession to the SCO, which is something that Russia wanted, but the Chinese were cautious about because they didn't want to make it look too anti-American or too anti-Western. So I think there'll definitely be Chinese moves in the SCO sphere. The big question is, does China act as like a blanket security provider? Does it provide security in the region, even if its own interests are not threatened, but just for the greater good of Central Asian countries, of Russian security, security of its neighbors? That's harder to tell. I think China is probably going to put a check on that kind of expansive security involvement and focus more on targeted production of its Bolton Road Initiative interests, whether that be through the use of private security companies and through uh, small scale and possibly deniable deployments of PLA forces. So I think that they'll be involved in regional security at a broad level, but when it comes to protecting assets, they'll be focusing on their own assets and not really caring all that much about the threat to other countries in the neighborhood. I mean, you make a good point about China will have to suddenly play a far greater role in the region. One of the questions I think that analysts have been playing around with the last week is, of course, America has far more experience of fighting wars, far longer experience in Afghanistan. Is China ready to start having to deal with a group like the Taliban? Can you think of any experiences in China's foreign policy to date that it can use to help negotiate its new neighbor and the new situation it finds on its western frontier? I mean, I think that that's a very interesting question. I think that the current situation with regards to management of Afghanistan is somewhat unprecedented from a Chinese foreign policy standpoint. And also the Taliban, even though we don't know what in the long term they're going to do, at least in the short term, they're trying to attract international investment. They're trying to attract international recognition. So, uh, which is different from the 1990s where they figured that effectively might makes right and we can rely on a few core partners like Saudi Arabia, the UAE and Pakistan, which are the countries that recognize that and uh, we'll be able to survive and stay up. At the time, there wasn't that much knowledge about under the ground mineral reserves, for example. So 
the Chinese are dealing with a very different uh, Taliban, at least in the face of it, than the Taliban that they were dealing with uh, in the early 1990s. Over time, it might become more like that, but it's too, it's too early to tell. So I don't think the China's past experiences in Afghanistan will be that helpful, though I think what they've been doing over the past uh, three to four years with regards to clandestine engagements with the, the Taliban participation in the uh, extended troika format, their involvements in the SCO, these things would be quite useful, as well as some of their experiences dealing with counterinsurgency zones elsewhere in the world. Like I would say how China has navigated uh, crises in, in Africa, for example, like the uh, recent spate of cuckoos in Mali, where China's got peacekeeping forces in the Sahel working along with the British and the French. And uh, that threatens their Belt and Road interests, but they've navigated and established reasonably positive relations with uh, all the changing winds of governments in the Sahel. So they've managed to be quite adaptable there. Maybe what they've done in the Horn of Africa with regards to the instability in Somalia, the Al-Shabaab threat, how they managed to defuse a border conflict between Eritrea and Djibouti in that area, that could be, there's some inspirations that could be derived there. So the Chinese have shown a pretty flexible way of dealing with many different groups. Also in fragile states, they've done something similar. I mean, in Yemen, they've engaged with the Houthis, they've engaged with the uh, Yemeni government, and that's helped them preserve their Red Sea trading and maritime security interests. They've done something similar in Libya, which they want to bring into the Belt and Road. So the Chinese may not have experience in Afghanistan that's replicable in this current context, but their experience in dealing with fragile states, in managing uh, regions of insecurity, and adapting to changing governments is arguably more successful than the French or the Americans. So I think that they don't have that much to worry about from that regard. Well, this is clearly a very quickly evolving situation and one which we're going to have to keep an eye on. Sam, thanks for coming on the podcast. This has been great. Thank you very much. It's been great to be here. And if you enjoyed this episode, Sam will be joining us again on the 1st of September for an Ask the Analyst event, where we'll be talking about China and its relationship with Russia and approach to Central Asian foreign policy. Thanks for listening and join us again in two weeks' time when we'll have another episode of the China Business Brief. Goodbye. The China Business Brief is a podcast brought to you by the China Britain Business Council. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you're subscribed. To find out more about our other events and activities, do check out our website at www.cbbc.org.